Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On this episode, I talk with Jackie Crum, who is the assistant head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers women's hockey program. We talk about coaching Brianna Decker and Hillary Knight, what coaches look for when recruiting, and of course, the Wisconsin women's hockey program. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jackie, and I hope you do too. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoyed this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on the Champs App podcast, Jackie Crum. She's originally from Regina, Saskatchewan. She played four years of hockey at Wisconsin from 2001 to 2005. After that, she played a couple of years in Europe. And then she came back to Wisconsin as an assistant coach, where she's been for the last 11 years. She's won two NCAA championships in 2011 and technically still the reigning champion from 2019, since no winner was awarded last year. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jackie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, just like every guest that we've had so far, it would be great if you could just kind of tell us your hockey history starting in Regina, Saskatchewan. Boy. Okay, yeah. So I started playing hockey probably around the age, I'm thinking about eight or nine, and um, started playing with the boys. I uh, played a lot of boys and girls hockey. At that point, we only had um, in the entire city one girls team, so you didn't really have a choice on what team you played for. And there were no other girls teams, so our girls team would play against the boys. And then growing up, I played on a couple boys teams. I played high school hockey with the boys and then also played on a midget girls team uh, as well. And then... Did you have any I, uh, siblings who also played hockey? I did. I have an older brother who played hockey. So naturally, um, I wanted to be like him. And I actually, um, interesting enough, I started playing ringette when I was about seven. And I'm, uh, I guess you could say a physical player. So in Ringette, you were allowed five penalties and then you're kicked out of the game. And unfortunately, because I was so much bigger than most of the kids, I would get five penalties and kicked out of the game. So at that point, I think when I was eight or nine, my dad suggested that maybe I try hockey and that might be more of a sport for me. And, and definitely it stuck. So yeah, good, good decision by him. So for folks who don't know, you're 5'11 now. Um, how big were you re relative to the other kids, even at, you know, around 12, 13, 14? Oh, I've been 5'11 since I was about 13. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've been, I've been one of the taller kids pretty much my entire life. So yeah, that's, uh, and more of a physical player for sure. So okay. I think. And did that help you playing against the boys? It did. Yeah. I mean, lucky for me, I mean, contact started, I think, with the boys when I was about 10 or 11. Um, and I was able to play contact um, boys hockey up until I was about 14. And what are the pros and cons of being so tall when, when at playing hockey? Oh, gosh. Both, both at, at the youth level and then even we'll talk a little bit about college. So Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. So you grow so fast when you're young and I would say coordination was was tough for me and just balance on the ice so um, I was always a fairly good skater it's just I didn't have great balance on the ice and was um, you know strong but also could get knocked over and I think it took me till pretty much my freshman year in college when I started to you know fill out physically and just become more coordinated so I think um, players who are maybe smaller in statue have a 
you know, are able to kind of be a little bit more coordinated. Not everybody, I don't want to stereotype, but um, their coordination is probably a little bit better than somebody who has grown, you know, six inches in eight months, like I did. Oh, wow. And you're just trying to figure out your body and where your arms are in space. And <laughs> I remember my dad telling me to, you know, maybe try not falling so much. I'm like, oh, do, duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> did, do you find um, 5'11", being 5'11", uh, was helpful to speed because you could have a long stride length or was it uh, a little more challenging because you just have a lot more size to, to move around the ice with to, to, uh, to try and get around? Yeah, good, good question. A little bit of both. Um, I'd say straight ahead speed. Um, once you get going, you can get going. However, um, quickness, I mean, if somebody is 5'1", 5'2", um, stops and starts, um, somebody who's 5'11", maybe isn't as quick as somebody who's 5'1", five, 5'2". Five five I mean, not everybody, obviously, but at least not, in my case. Not, not Kendall Coyne. Uh, yeah, you exactly. Can't get the Kendall oh, Coyne no. speed at 5'11". No, no. I mean, if you can, all the power to you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so, um, so while you were still in Saskatchewan, you know, what were some of the keys to your development uh, being so good? Was it playing with the boys? Was it good coaching? Was it, you know, having a backyard rink and just being on the ice all the time? Well, you know, honestly, I'd say it's a combination of everything. We did have a back backyard rink, um, as most kids do in Saskatchewan. And I mean, there's, um, you know, outdoor rinks everywhere you go. So I was able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, I mean, everyone has a different route for me. I mean, obviously back in the 90s, uh, girls hockey wasn't as prevalent. Um, so I did have the opportunity to play boys. Um, I did have some very good coaches in my youth. Um, still remember, you know, my peewee boys hockey coach, um, just learning back checking. I mean, gosh, who teaches back checking when you're 11, you know, so just things like that I was fortunate with. And then, you know, as I got older, I had the opportunity to play for Team Saskatchewan. Um, just at the Canon Winter Games and just was able to, you know, play better competition and uh, play with my peers and just have some really good coaches along the way with that. So I've been very fortunate. So how did that transition to you getting seen by Wisconsin and the, the recruiting process? Like, how, how did that all work with you ending up at Wisconsin? Yeah, so, oh gosh, I mean, back in the 90s, back in the 90s, uh, things were different. I mean, I don't think college, I mean, there weren't as many college teams as there are now. And then also not as many college, uh, I guess, assistant coaches or, or, you know, coaches were out in Western Canada recruiting. So I remember getting an offer from Wisconsin and then signing and then in my uh, senior year, and then I think it was February, another coach saw me from out east and I was like oh well I had already already signed with Wisconsin I mean obviously it was the right decision but um you know fortunately with playing with Team Saskatchewan I was able to go to some you know national events that college coaches were at and was able to get recruited at those and 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 I'm assuming it was very different than the world is today oh. um where you were going to like showcases and tournaments every other weekend and then uh, you did mention some of the Canadian development camps I believe but uh but, but not nowhere near as much kind of a two-year, two-and-a-half-year engagement before they get married. No, no, it was, it was, to it's totally different back then. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think we got mail from college coaches back when I was in grade 11, and then, you know, actually um, talking to them, uh, started my grade 12 year, I think that was when the, the rules were at that point, so um, yeah, it's just, it's night and day from back then to now what it is. And I mean, not too many people were traveling up to, you know, Regina, Saskatchewan to watch the next player play. Yeah. 
And and so tell us about your time at Wisconsin. Um, you know, how, how much did you develop while you were there? Tell us about what it was like just uh, managing academics and, and hockey at the same time. And obviously yeah. the programs had a, even had a great, pretty good reputation back then, uh, just as great as it is now. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It, um, well, when I came, I was a, when I was a freshman, the program was only the third year in existence. So, it, we, you know, we were, I guess you could say, some of the pioneers of the program. And um, I think every year, actually, I know every year we got a little bit better uh, as a program, which is awesome. So my senior year, we played in the, um, uh, that year, they allowed eight teams in the NCAA tournament. And so that was the first year Wisconsin actually made the tournament. So it was a part of that class. And unfortunately, we lost in the quarterfinals. But the following year, when I was a fifth year senior and helping out with the team, uh, the team actually won. So it was just really cool to be um, a part of the, I would say the growth of Wisconsin hockey. Um, and uh, just, you know, like, you, like I said, every year the, the team got better and better and every year new recruits were coming in and were, you know, better. So that was obviously a key in my development as well and, you know, helped me play. I played a couple of years on the under 22 Canadian national team too. So um, definitely, definitely helped with all that. Nice. And what made you decide to go play in Europe after graduation? Yeah, so I mean, I had the opportunity to play in Switzerland, and I've always wanted to travel, and um, that was kind of the the driving force, and I guess you could say delay the real world a little bit, and so had a great experience in Switzerland, and then uh, after that year, got another opportunity to play over in Prague, and Czech Republic, and a nice place to play. Yeah, beautiful city, um, just definitely um, experience another culture. I mean, their culture is totally different than uh, North American culture and just coaching and all that. So um, great opportunity to do that. Um, and then also, I mean, you're right in Europe and the ability to travel is, is right there. And, you know, when you're young, early 20s, I mean, that's the time to do it because, you know, now with a family and two kids, it's, we're not taking up a trip to Czech Republic anytime soon. No, not until they can play hockey and, uh, you know, get invited for a tournament over there. There right? you yeah, go. A few more years, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, um, and then in 2000, I'm assuming sometime in early 2009, you got a phone call saying your alma mater needed some help because uh, your coach, the head coach was uh, going to go help out with the Olympic team. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get a phone call and uh, needed a interim assistant coach and I was ready to, I guess, kind of move on in my hockey career and, you know, um, I'd always thought about being a coach and this opportunity came along and I thought, yeah, what a what a great opportunity, even if it's just for a year, try it out, see if I like coaching. Um, uh, get my feet wet and who knows what other opportunities it would lead to. So I uh, did that. And then sure enough, the position opened full time and I'm still here. So what was it that made you want to become a coach? You know, you say you kind of knew that at the end of your career that you wanted to at least give it a shot. I did. Yeah. I, uh, I went to school for physical education. So in, in my mind, I mean, I always wanted to be a teacher and obviously coaching is teaching. And uh, I'd always thought that I'd, you know, be a high school phys ed teacher and hopefully coach some high school hockey or midget hockey and um, I just love the game. And so with the opportunity to be a full-time coach, um, obviously growing up, I never thought it was possible to have a career as a coach. And um, when the opportunity came, I was like, yes, sign me up. What is it that you loved after your first year that when you reflected on your first year that you wanted to you know, oh, make the commitment? Man. 
Uh, I think um, just being around the game every day. Um, I love hockey and the X's and O's, but also just the players um, and having an opportunity to hopefully make an impact on them. Uh, positive, you know, as another female who's played, hopefully they can draw on my experiences um, and just leave them as better people and hockey players when they when they leave Wisconsin. So just having the opportunity to do that is is awesome. And didn't didn't hurt. They had a pretty good team back then. Um, so <laughs> you know, twenty eleven, you won the championship, the NCAA championships. Yeah. And I believe your top three players for folks who don't know, aren't familiar with these names: Megan Duggan, Hillary Knight, and Brianna Decker. Not not three not not too shabby players to have yeah. on your team that might make you want to stick around for a little bit. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was a really really good team we had. So I mean those are just three of the many good players that we had. So it was exactly. uh, it was awesome to coach them. And I mean I think by the end of it we just kind of said go get them guys, and they did the rest. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually do have a couple questions. First of all, did all three of them play on the same line because their stats are insane for that for that championship season? Um, they here and there, but, um, not always. No. So, so, so they spread the wealth with, uh, a little bit. Production. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So related question, uh, Hillary Knight, also five foot 11, any advice that you were able to give her because based on your, your height experience? Oh, oh boy. I mean, I'd say she's a lot more coordinated than I am. So not a ton of advice. I would say <laughs> she's a, she's a very good, very good athlete skater. Um, I think with her, I just, um, I mean, I had the opportunity to work with her for two years and um, she just had such a drive to get better. And I mean, you almost had to kick her off the ice. And I just remember hours and hours of spending with her after practice, shooting pucks, playing games, um, anything to get better. Um, she did it. And that's definitely kind of why she has this success. That, I mean, obviously talent, but the success yeah. that she's had is just this great work ethic that she has. Yeah, that's awesome. That actually leads right into my next question, which is around Brianna Decker, who I watched a few games at uh, um, back during quarantine. I watched a few games from the old CWHL playoffs, and oh. I couldn't, I could not imagine someone working any harder than she did on the ice of just hunting down every puck and going after everybody. And uh, tell me how, what your impression was versus how she arrived at Wisconsin versus how she left, how she developed in those four years, both on and off the ice. Because I'm, I, from what I saw in some videos, it's pretty impressive how far she came, uh, even though she was productive from day one, but she still worked really hard while she was there. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I don't think many people know she actually broke her arm her freshman year and uh, she didn't play full season because of her broken arm. So that uh, definitely set her back a little bit uh, with that. But I think, I mean, she's always been a very aggressive player, but she, I think she turned the corner after her freshman year and really decided, I want this, you know, I want to make the national team, I have the opportunity to, and kicked her training into high gear, um, just off the ice, on the ice, in the weight room, um, diet, everything, and uh, we always say, always said or say, you know, she's the player that if the puck is loose, she's going to get to it before you. And there's just this hunger in her eyes. And she, I wouldn't want to play against her. That's no, exactly. Yeah. Up in the corner. And there's this drive that is so innate with her. That is um, awesome. And it was, you know, it was just fun to see her um, improve every year, every season. She got better and better as she went. It was, uh, yeah, just a real privilege to coach her. Awesome. And uh, more recently, you have, uh, I believe it's your captain is from California. 
which is my neck of the woods, yeah. uh, Annie Pankowski, um, who helped your team in 2019. Maybe you can just talk about her, how she ended up at uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. So, I mean, we, gosh, we recruited her back, you know, when she was 14, 15. And um, I think, you know, obviously, she, you know, I think academics and uh, obviously the hockey program and shows Wisconsin and, um, you know, we're just fortunate along, you know, that we were able to coach her and she was a part of our team and, you know, certainly helped help win that championship back in 19. So let me ask you just one more question about Annie is uh, when I looked, she, she was almost 20 when she started at Wisconsin. Did she take a post-grad year? And, and if either way, she, starting when she's almost 20, do you think that was helpful versus 18 at starting at a later age? Well, actually, uh, so she was centralized. Um, her fresh, like would have been her freshman year. She was centralized with Team USA and then got cut um, from those Olympics. So and she took the year off to go train to tra train with the team and hopefully make the team. But unfortunately, right. she didn't. Okay. okay right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, she didn't make the team, but she also had that uh, year or six months training with, uh, you know, the national team to help her. So I think that gave her a bit of a leg up coming into you know, Wisconsin, a little bit older, obviously more mature and have that experience. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so just shifting before we, we get more into Wisconsin, you also have helped out with uh, Hockey Canada. Um, mm -hmm. you, you've worked with the U18 uh, national women's team uh, with some summer showcases and maybe some coaching at some events. Maybe just talk about your work with Hockey Canada and specifically when you're going to, um, you know, summer showcases, what is it you're looking for in players, uh, in the Canadian players as, as they're, you know, looking to make the, either an under 18 national team or the U22? Yeah, so I've, I've been fortunate to work with Hockey Canada um, with the U18 program and then also been a camp coach with the U22 um, program as well. So it's um, quite a few years, actually. I, honestly, I don't even know how many years. Um, and so it's, a, you know, went to a world championship um, as an assistant coach. Uh, I'm trying to look back and I think 15, 16, uh, they start blending together. But um, so, yeah, that was a that was an awesome opportunity. I mean, it's, you know... I don't know if you're looking for a specific thing in each player. Um, I think it's, it's very difficult. I mean, you have the top of the top of the Canadian players when you hit that level. And, um, you know, obviously I think, you know, speed and, you know, puck skills, and then just also how do they fit into the system that uh, Hockey Canada is running that year. So that's kind of a main thing. Gotcha. All right. Um, so let's move back to Wisconsin. So first of all, let's talk about the facilities. Laban Arena. It's dedicated just to the uh, women's hockey team, which is outstanding. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I see that you have the arena capacity is uh, 22,073, but your average attendance last year was uh, 3,136. So I'm no math major, but to me, there's something weird going on there. Uh, maybe you can talk about, you know, playing a game outside, a home game outside of Lebon Arena and, and, and just what it's like to play at Lebon Arena. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody fudged those numbers. <laughs> I'm not too uh, sure, it, it's because but... you played a game against Ohio State. I believe last year uh, oh. at uh, at the Cole Center. So oh, there you go. That's why, right? Yeah, fill the bowl. Okay, I forgot about that. So yeah, I mean, we seat about twenty two hundred, but uh, I'd say probably on average about twenty four hundred um, people are there, standing room only. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's just um, it's a great atmosphere. Um, you know, anytime you can fill an arena to watch um, any sporting event is exciting, but a women's hockey game is just double excitement and. Um, it's uh, it's really cool coming from 
you know, playing in Saskatchewan and not even thinking that, uh, you know, coaching women's hockey would be your career to, you know, playing at Wisconsin and having, you know, a couple hundred people watching my game back in the early 2000s to selling out our building every game. Um, it's just so cool to be a part of it and um, feeling very fortunate and just shows you how far the women's hockey game has come. And uh, I think, you know, the sky's the limit, definitely. How big is the uh, rivalry with Minnesota? Oh, it's pretty big. I mean, it's been there since day one. I mean, since I played, I mean, it's on, it's in women's hockey, it's in men's hockey, it's in, I think, all sports. Um, it's, it's awesome. I mean, why not have a rivalry? I mean, every time the two teams play, I think we bring out the best in each other and everyone's game elevates and it just makes each team better every time we play. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Wisconsin program is just the model of consistency. You've been in uh, the Frozen Four the last six years, which is pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Under under uh, Mark Johnson's leadership. Um, let's talk about the the coaching staff and kind of the, how you work together. And uh, and basically your humility is, is everything that I've read is, is just that you guys just, uh, you know, just don't take anything for granted and work really hard. And for folks who don't know, uh, Mark Johnson comes from a pretty famous hockey family. Uh, that is uh, Badger Bob Johnson. And he also happened to score two goals in the Miracle on Ice game back in 1980 against the, uh, the Soviet Union and, uh, and, and also had a really good career in the, in the NHL. Um, plus, you also have another assistant coach, Dan Cook. Uh, what's the dynamic like between the three of you and, and um, you know, why people are so effusively positive about the, uh, the, 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 the staff and the program? Oh, well, that's great to hear. Um, I mean, I think we all go way back. We've known each other for, gosh, probably like 20 years. I mean, uh, Coach Johnson, he coached me for three years. He came in uh, his first year as our coach. I was a sophomore, so um, I had the opportunity to play for him. And then along with Dan Cook, too, he uh, he coached me for four years, actually. And um, so I think, you know, just the relationship we have of knowing each other for so long is uh, definitely helpful. And then just the consistency. I mean, we've, we've been here for quite a while together. So um, that is great as well. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, we all love the game. We all love working together. You know, I think everyone enjoys waking up and coming to the office every day and working with our athletes. And um, yeah, just fortunate that we have this, um, this staff that we, we have here. So how do you divide responsibilities, both for the on-ice stuff uh, and for recruiting? Um, you know, I, from what I read, you work with the forwards, um, but how do you kind of decide who does what? Oh, boy. I mean, it's it ebbs and flows. Um, <laughs> I think uh, definitely I work mainly with the forwards, Dan more so with the D. He's a D coach, and then um, Coach Johnson kind of jumps back and forth uh, with that. From a recruiting standpoint, oh, gosh, I don't think we have particular areas that we recruit. Um, we are, you know, you try and cross-reference and cover everywhere that you can. And, um, you know, if I, you know, see a player that I like, you know, mention it to Dan and hopefully Dan can go out and see and Coach Johnson and, you know, kind of talk about it from there. So we, you know, it's not just that I have Canada and I only recruit in Canada because I'm from Canada and, you know, vice versa. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and while players are there, what's the focus on skill development? Um, you know, you know, do you work on their, their, their skating stride? Um, do you do any cross pollination with the men's team? Cause I know, uh, Tony Granato is pretty big on uh, skill development, uh, on, on the men's side. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we work on that a ton. I mean, obviously during COVID in the fall, we had endless days working on skill development, but uh, in a regular year, um, that's definitely a focus, uh, certainly with that. And uh, Coach Granato, he does do it a lot. And what's really awesome is just how both programs um, can work together. You know, I can go out and watch a men's practice and, oh, what's he doing with the forwards or what are they doing with their skill development? And take you know whatever drill they're doing and talk to them about it and then use it um, with our team and, and vice versa as well so I mean I think um, you know players are never too old to work on skill development and that's certainly something that happens you know at Wisconsin and I'm sure many other programs as well. And so, uh, as I mentioned earlier to you, uh, I'm from Montreal, and one of the uh, top prospects of Montreal Canadiens is Cole Caulfield on the men's side of things. Oh, right. So yes. uh, I was just wondering, you know, do you, do you guys ever go and try and steal some ideas from Cole? And does uh, do any of the, uh, the the men's players come over and watch your practices and, and try and steal some stuff from you? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, Coach Granato and, I mean, uh, Strobel and Oz, the uh, assistant coaches for Wisconsin, definitely are, they work a lot with Cole and I mean, every other player on the team too. And he's doing a ton of skills out there a lot. So, you know, watching what he does and um, I, I'm sure they watch a bit of our practices and, and vice versa. I mean, the players do, but they also have school that they have to do too. But, uh, you know, typically in a non-COVID year, you can see a lot of them watching our games and, you know, they're friends with our team and vice versa. And a lot of our players will go watch a men's game as well. Gotcha. And and you guys are having a pretty successful season. You're, you're ranked number one in the polls. You're 11, two and one. Uh, just tell us, um, Tell folks just what, what the plan is for the playoffs. I believe there's a WCHA playoffs, which is the conference that you're in. And, and is there a plan for a Frozen Four this year? Yeah, actually. Um, <clears throat> so there are only four teams make it to the playoffs this year in the WCHA. And so obviously, hopefully we'll, we'll be there in a, in a couple weeks. And then for the Frozen Four, we just found out that uh, all there's going to be eight teams that go just in a like a normal year. And they're going to go to the host site. So instead of having... Uh, four different quarterfinal games around the country. It's all going to be in Erie, Pennsylvania. And the, you know, quarterfinal games are going to be, I think, on a Monday and Tuesday. And then if you win, you move on to the semis, which would be a Friday. And then the championship game is on a Sunday. So a little bit different, but um, hey, it's it's happening. And take pretty, it, yeah. yeah, it's something. <laughs> we're pretty pumped for it. Got it. Um, all right, let's move over into kind of the recruiting side of things. Um Girls hockey, as you mentioned earlier, has changed dramatically since, uh, you, you know, you started playing. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering from a recruiting perspective, how has the quality of player changed in the last 10 years? Oh, I think just, I mean, overall it's increased um, just, uh, you know, strength. I mean, players nowadays are able to, you know, go in the weight room at a younger age. I mean, I don't know if I really started doing weights until I think I was a senior <laughs> in high school. And, you know, players nowadays are cross-training, you know, in grade eight, grade nine. They're, you know, in the gym doing plyometrics. And um, a lot of people have personal trainers or in, in group, you know, most I shouldn't say most, but some club teams, you know, even have a strength coach affiliated with them. And that certainly has changed. So I think the overall strength of female hockey players has increased um, with that just coordination and skill. I mean, a lot of, you know, players are, are working on their skill development at an earlier and earlier age. So overall, I'd say it's increased. Gotcha. And, and how has kind of COVID impacted you know, you're recruiting this year. Um, obviously, I've spoken to a few coaches so far, and, you know, obviously they're doing a lot of stuff on video. But how, how has it impacted it from a Division One perspective? Um, you know, what do you think is going to happen going forward? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, you ask any D1 coach and it's been difficult. I mean, obviously we haven't been able to uh, go to any tournaments since last, uh, gosh, I think March. And uh, technically aren't allowed to go out until April 15th as of now. I mean, hopefully that will um, be the case, but I don't know if the NCAA will push it back at all. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we are, you know, you're watching video that uh, players send to you and, you know, if you can catch a, a tournament um, via live barn or, you know, whatever streaming uh, device that they use, um, you can do that. But it's also not the same. I mean, I personally would rather watch a player in person than, than via video. I'm sure many other coaches feel the same way as well. So, and then also with uh, the NCAA granting uh, everyone another year. That just makes, I guess, the puzzle of recruiting a little bit, um, maybe more challenging um, with the D1 um, programs out there. And, yeah, especially if you're carrying a lot of players already this year. Exactly. And, you know, are the seniors coming back? Are they ready to graduate and move on? Are they transferring? It's just, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely different. So uh, related to that is uh, next year is an Olympic year. Um, mm -hmm. And there are schools who have historically had players from their team go to the Olympics. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you think for those teams, um, that might also impact their recruiting. Definitely. I mean, for sure. It's, you know, any team that has a player that may get centralized and off to the Olympics could, you know, impact because they'll, they'll be gone for a year and then back. So, um, you know, hope that's the case um, with the programs that have players out there like that. Um, you just don't know. And then also we don't know what the U.S. or Canada is doing with their camps in the spring and what that looks like. So, I mean, typical COVID year, right? You just don't know. <laughs> Great. So in the past, um, you've been to many recruiting events and I'm wondering what it is that you're looking for when you go to tournaments or showcases from players. Like what, what, what is it that, um, you know, division one coaches, you know, get really excited about when they see, you know, a player, uh, in one of these events. Yeah. I mean, I think overall D1 coaches are, you know, obviously skill set is one, um, skating, uh, just because, um, as players find out the, as you move up in your, um, you know, in your hockey career, the game just gets faster and faster. So in order to, you know, compete at the next level, you need uh, speed, um, having that skating ability. And then, I mean, obviously the intangibles, character, um, what kind of, uh, you know, a player it is. And I think um, a big thing is academics as well. I mean, players that have uh, good academics, you know, that just leaves the door open for so many different schools and opportunities. Um, that you contextualize what good academics is. Is it like a 3.0? Is it a 3.5? <laughs> is it a 4.0? Is it a 4.4? What, what, what is good academics? I mean, uh, I mean, every school is different what they're looking for, but uh, I think you're pretty, pretty safe if you're in the threes. I mean, I shouldn't say you're safe, but uh, you're looking you know, good. It's looking good. I mean, and like I said, every school is different what they're looking for um, from the academic standpoint. But the, you know, the, the better your grade point average is or, you know, in Canada, your percentage, the, the more opportunities you're going to have. Um, and, uh, you know, academics, you know, or with hockey or even with, you know, maybe a bit of a hockey slash academic scholarship. You never know. Yeah. And um, so for most players who are serious about playing at a, at a really good high-end D1 school. I'm sure Wisconsin is on almost everybody's top five list, if not 
at the top of that list. <laughs> I'm wondering how many inbound inquiries via email, recruit questionnaires do you get? And how many, you know, ver versus actually how many spots do you have in a typical year, which would, you know, on average probably be in the five or six range. Um, how many actual inbound inquiries do you get for, for those five or six spots, roughly speaking? I Honestly, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I mean, we certainly get, I mean, I don't count my emails, but we get quite a few emails a day. Um, uh, per, per day. So would you say like oh, in, in, in a year it's in the hundreds? Oh, more. Yeah, definitely Thousands? more than that. Okay. Uh, probably. Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, I don't know, but I'm sure everyone's out there. Every school is getting quite a few, quite a few emails. Um, and you're right. Typically, you know, D1 schools, it's roughly five to six players a year give and take depending on the year that's yeah, doing the math it's mm -hmm. four years per player so yeah, yeah. exactly so, um so of those people that like just submit something online uh, via questionnaire how many players actually played at wisconsin after submitting a questionnaire that weren't on your radar I have no idea. I don't uh, know if I can answer that question. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just curious if there's ever. I'm, I, I would assume that, you know, that, that's pretty rare that if someone just comes out of nowhere uh, to, to, to the, by submitting something online. But that's fine. I'm just, you never know. I mean. Yeah, you never know. I don't know. All right. So, um, you know, what's the plan for the coming year in terms of what advice would you give parents, you know, as they kind of deal with COVID winding down and kind of getting back, hopefully, into a more regular uh, cycle of recruiting uh, starting maybe this fall? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I'm hopeful. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm hopeful things will go back to normal and, you know, teams are going to be able to practice again and head out to tournaments. And, you know, I know there's um, showcases out there right now that are open and players can sign up for um, not only that or just even I shouldn't just say showcases, but, you know, in Canada, they have their um, provincial camps. I'm not sure where that's at, um, obviously, but in the in the States, there's uh, district camps. And hopefully that's uh, going to continue. And, you know, maybe in the summer, there's going to be USA hockey, you know, top 15, top 16, 17 camps yeah. as well. And, you know, if you're not invited, then maybe there's other showcases out there that you can look for. And um, I think uh, a lot of D1 coaches and, and D3 um, are we're eager to get back out on the road. I think everybody is. Um, we'd love to actually see hockey in person versus watching videos online. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity this summer for showcases and then also in the fall for tournaments. I think, you know, once it starts going again, everyone's going to be just like so excited. <laughs> Any any advice for uh, either kids or, or their parents who are nervous, who are like 2022s or 2023s around, uh, you know, um, you know, a lot of fifth year seniors coming back basically that and, and closing, closing some spots. Correct. Um, I think be patient um, from that standpoint. I mean, some schools probably don't even know uh, what, uh, you know, maybe the fall is going to look like um, or in two years, really what that's going to look like. So, I mean, if you're 2022, obviously it's a, it's a difficult year just based on COVID, but you know, if you're, if you're patient um, and you know, you're willing to get out there and being seen, I think that's going to help you as well. And just, you know, certainly it, it never hurts to send an email, you know, to ask a school where they're at with uh, recruiting. And they may say, you know, we're not quite sure at this moment, but, you know, if things open up, we'll, we'll let you know. I mean, and that, that could happen. I mean, there could be seniors that, you know, say they're coming back, but then aren't coming back or, you know, they may, you know, scholarships for each school may be different or yeah, it's just, it's uh 
ebbs and flows. So definitely be patient. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. Okay, great. So one last question uh, before I kind of wind things up with how, how people can can get more information on, on the Wisconsin program. Uh, and I, I kind of mentioned to you this earlier, I've been saving this question. So you're, you're from Regina, Saskatchewan. And so when I was growing up, uh, 25% of the Canadian Football League teams were named Rough Riders, including the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. And there were only eight teams and there was two Rough Riders. Um, do you think there are too many teams in the NCAA named Lions, Tigers, and Bears, and Huskies? Nice. <laughs> There's three huskies, right? And there, there are two bears, two. two tigers, and two lions. Do you think they, you know, they're, they're, there's just one badger, though. There is just one badger, correct. I mean, to each their own. But I mean, coming from Saskatchewan, there's only one Rough Riders in my mind. I mean, the green and white, like, that's where it's at, definitely. <laughs> and they, are, they have historically been a powerhouse in the CFL, so. Uh, yes, uh, definitely. And, you know, as a Saskatchewanite, you know, you live, breathe, and die, the Rough Riders, and... Um, my family's been season ticket holders since I can remember. So definitely the pride is right there. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, all right. How can folks learn more about the program and uh, maybe find you online, uh, whether it's your website, Twitter, Instagram? How, how can they contact the program? Uh, maybe fill out a questionnaire. Yeah, definitely. Uh, questionnaires are online on our website, uwbadgers.com. Um, definitely fill out a questionnaire uh, if you're a player on there. Uh, we have our Twitter account. Um, just, uh, I guess, Google. I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, and an Instagram account, but just Google Wisconsin Women's Hockey and it, it'll pop up there. And then on the website, my email is out there as well, too. So that's that's easily easily found. And uh, do you know if you're going to do any camps this summer? Like, is, is the school putting on one? That's a great question. Um, we... We hope to put on one. Uh, usually we do a U13 camp in um, June, and then we hope to put on a high school camp in August. Uh, that's not set in stone just because of COVID and what's going on, but uh, certainly when that's open to the public, it'll be on the website. So fingers crossed that's going to be a go, but if you're interested, I would say just keep looking on the website for that. Awesome. Jackie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Chance App podcast. This has been outstanding. It's great to learn so much about Wisconsin and your background and, and, and especially a lot of details around player development. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really want to thank Jackie for coming on the podcast. It was great to hear her stories about coaching some of the best players in women's hockey, as well as learning more about the Wisconsin women's hockey program. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.